we're continuing today to uh, go through a series called Lost and Found. And today we're looking at the lost coin. Last week we looked at the lost lamb. Next week we're going to be looking at the lost son. And uh, as we look at the lost woman, uh, not the lost woman, at the lost coin, uh, Jesus says, or what woman, uh, if she has 10 silver coins, loses one? And then he goes through and talks about how diligently she looks for the one coin that is lost. You know, there was a woman and her grandmother that were uh, sitting on their porch discussing a member of their family who had strayed away. And uh, he's just no good, the young woman said. He's completely untrustworthy, not to mention lazy. And uh, yes, he's bad, the grandmother said as she rocked back and forth in her rocker. But Jesus loves him. The younger woman said, I'm not so sure of that. And oh, yes, assured the elderly lady, Jesus loves him. She rocked and she thought for a few more minutes and then added, of course, Jesus doesn't know him like we do. <laughs> do you ever feel that way about yourself? People tell you God loves you and you think if that is so. God must not know me very well. I've known a lot of people that didn't think that God could love them if he really knew them. And they also thought if other people really knew them, that they wouldn't care for them either. Lois Cheney uh, wrote these words in her book, God is no fool. They say that God has infinite pay, uh, infinite patience. <clears throat> And that is a great comfort. They say God is always there and that, uh, and that is a deep satisfaction. They say that God will always take you back. And I get lazy in that certitude. They say that God never gives up. And I count on that. They say you can go away for years and years and he'll be there waiting for you to come back. They say you can make mistake after mistake and God will always forgive and forget. They say a lot of things. These people who never read the Old Testament, there comes a time, a definite for sure time when God turns around I don't believe God shed his skin when Christ brought in the New Testament. Christ showed us a new side of God, and that is truly wonderful. But God didn't change. God remains forever and ever. And that God is no fool. Maybe this hits a nerve with you. You've always felt what she wrote. Yeah, I've heard people say that God forgives, but God is no fool. And you know that if God is no fool, then he could never accept you having been as foolish as you have been. 
In the play, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown explains why he hates lunchtime. He says, I think lunchtime is about the worst time of the day for me, always having to sit there alone. Of course, sometimes mornings aren't so pleasant either. Waking up and wondering if anyone would really miss me if I never got out of bed. And then there's night too, lying there and thinking about all the stupid things I've done during the day. And all those hours in between when I do all those stupid things. Well, lunchtime is among the worst times of the day for me. Well, let me give you some good news today. In spite of the fact that God is no fool, and in spite of the fact that we sometimes are, God really does love us. He really loves you. No matter who you are, what you have done, or even how long you have done it. And he will gladly forgive you and accept you if you will come home to him. That's what Luke 15 is all about. And we need the context for these verses. And the context of all the verses in Luke 15 come from here. Verses uh, 1 and 2. All the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, you know what? This is one of the major things that got Jesus in trouble with the Pharisees and the scribes because he hung around with sinful people. And it was in response to that accusation that he hung around with sinful people that Jesus tells these three stories. The story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And Jesus was using these three stories to say, especially to these self-righteous Pharisees and scribes, listen guys, I hang around with these sinful people because I'm God and I love them and I want them to come home. In fact, Jesus said on another occasion, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And so here he is. He is with the people that he wants in his kingdom. He's with those that are willing to listen to him and to, uh, uh, just like we, we heard in the beginning of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's with those that are poor in spirit and know that they need something that they don't have. As he begins his parables, he offended them even more. First of all, he says, uh, what, if you, if you were a shepherd and you lost a lamb, if you had 99 sheep and you, and one of them was lost. And whenever they heard shepherd, they would think, ah, because you see, shepherds were considered low lives to them. They were people that you didn't have anything to do with. And here he is asking them 
to put themselves in the place of a shepherd and uh, in their mind understand what would be important to a shepherd. And this was an offense to them. They didn't want to be a shepherd. And so this was an affront to them. It was an insult to them to invite them to put themselves in the shepherd's place. And I don't know why it would upset them so, because God in the Old Testament referred to the religious leaders as shepherds. But they've gotten too good for this. They know God's word too good, too, too well for this. And so now then they don't think even thinking of ourselves as shepherds is repugnant. And so uh, here they are and they're forced because they can't not think about this. It's just kind of like asking, telling somebody, don't think about a pink elephant. You know, you're going to think about it, uh, whether you're, you know, but you're just going to. And so here they are. He's forced them to think like a shepherd. And you know what? He's saying the good shepherd goes out and he looks for the sheep. He gets with the sheep. He finds the sheep. You are shunning the sheep. Now, this is nothing new. Listen to what it says in Ezekiel. This is the 34th chapter, the second through the fifth verses. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Oh, prophesy and say to those shepherds, thus says the Lord, woe shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. And scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. There's a time whenever Jesus looks on the crowd and he's moved with compassion because they're like sheep without a what? Sheep without a shepherd. That's right. Sheep without a shepherd. They were supposed to know God's word. They were supposed to know the indictments against the spiritual leaders of old. And they were supposed to know that those lost needed to be brought in. And since they had no shepherd, God had come down himself. And here he was in Jesus. And he was going after the lost sheep. He's showing them what a good shepherd is like. And they hate him for it. And then he goes on and he offends them even more because he says, let's see, let's get it just right. Or what woman if she has 10 silver coins? And now he's inviting them to put themselves in the place of a 
Ew, a woman. Ew, cooties, you know. I mean, uh, ooh, I mean, they just, women, you know, there is still Jewish men, traditional Jewish men, and back then, there was a line in their in one of their prayers for men to pray in the morning as they began their day that said, Lord, I thank thee that I am not a Gentile or a slave or a woman. And so now then he's asking these self-righteous, uh, self-appointed spiritual leaders to put themselves in the position of a woman and to think like a woman. And once more, this is an offensive thing to them, but they can't help but do it. And so he goes ahead and he goes on with the story and he talks about a coin that's been lost. How did it get lost? We don't know. But those coins were precious to the women and she didn't have many of them. Many women had many, many of them and they wore them in necklaces around. It was their dowry. It was their life savings. It was their, uh, it was also their safety net in case something happened to their husband. And it was also a safety net in case they, because see, it gave them an independence. They would be able to take care of themselves if their husband left them because those coins were hers. And also those that wore them around on their head or around there, everybody knew what that looked like. And if uh, they were ever, uh, if they were ever unfaithful to their husbands, a coin was yanked off and everybody could see that they'd been unfaithful. And so we don't know if uh, sometimes they kept them in a, in a sack or in a, in a piece of cloth, just pulled up and tied tight. We don't know how she lost it, but each one of these coins was worth a day's work and it was precious. And so she lights the lamp and she sweeps. She looks diligently. Maybe it's under the furniture, a piece of furniture. Maybe uh, it got stuck in a crack, but she looks and she shines the light. The coin didn't get there by itself. Something happened to the coin and caused the coin to get lost. You know, the lost sheep wanders off and the prodigal son willfully and consciously leaves. But the lost coin, it just gets lost. And that's what I want to talk to you about more than anything else this morning is lost coin people. Because there are people, we don't know how they got there, but somehow they're just lost. But let's face it, all three kinds of people, lost uh, sheep people, lost coin people, and prodigal son people were all gathered there with Jesus. And you know what? There's a joy that he had in being with them. And he says at the end of the story that uh, the woman calls her her friends together. And it said the word that's used for friends is feminine. So she called her woman friends together to rejoice. And again, that's because 
Men didn't do things together with women. Women did their things. Men did their things. And so he calls, she calls her friends together to rejoice because she has found this coin. How do people become lost coin people? It just moves me with compassion as I remember so many lost coin people. They'd been abused. They had been abandoned. They'd been neglected. They had been bumped in life. And they find themselves ashamed and guilty, separated from the better parts of society, and separated from God, feeling like surely he couldn't have anything to do with them. I went and got to spend a week in Mexico City with kids that are called, well, they weren't all kids. They were up into their 20s. They were called the street kids. They were kids that had been somehow either kicked out of the house or were so abused and used in the household that they left because they couldn't stand it anymore. Somehow they wound up as kids, eight, nine, ten years old, on the street with no one to care for them. And they found each other, and they found ways to survive. The older ones taught the younger ones, and a lot of the things that they taught them were not good things for people to do, like being prostitutes or thieves or breaking glass and uh, laying on the grass, on the glass, uh, and uh, for, for, for handouts, just all sorts of things that they would learn to do to survive. And they would also learn that drugs and sniffing glue, primarily sniffing glue, would take away the pain, and yet it ruined their brains. And so those who were still able took care of those who weren't able to take care of themselves anymore. They were a family, and they had no one. And so there was a ministry out there that ministered to the street kids, and I got to go and be with them for a week. And I got to meet street kids that somehow had been reached by the Lord, lost coin people that had testimonies about the goodness of God. And they stayed there with the other street kids ministering to them. But at the same time, they were getting jobs and they were getting married, but they still came back to minister to other lost coin people. I remember... In my first church, there were a lot of lost coin people that were a part of a Bible study that was formed by a guy and a woman who uh, were lost coin people themselves. And it just so happened that a uh, Methodist minister knocked on their door. He was uh, just about five doors down from where they were. And he assured them that even though they thought that the only thing left in life for them to do was to grease their shoot to hell, as they put it, he assured them that Jesus still loved them. And there was a place in there in his church, and there was a place in God's kingdom for them. 
And they came and they got saved and they got changed and transformed. And this guy that thought it was all over wound up uh, being an industrial uh, education teacher in high school, uh, teaching kids because he wanted to reach them and keep them from making the same mistakes that he had made. And they would have a Bible study in their home. And other people that wouldn't set foot in a nicer home would come to their little hovel that they still lived in. And uh, and they would gather there. People that you would be afraid to have anything to do with, probably, because they were scary people. They were lost coin people. And there they heard about Jesus. And then they would want, they would, they would, they would want to come to church, but didn't think they had clothes that were good enough. They wanted to be baptized, but didn't know if a church would have anything to do with them. And somebody would make a way for them to have the clothes to go to church in. And then I'd wind up baptizing them somewhere down the line and they would come on into the kingdom. Lost coin people. Whenever those people come to him, and respond to him. It says that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. Not that the angels are initially joyful. The joy is God's joy. There is joy in heaven. And that is one of the things that depicts what heaven is like, is joy. And is there, and the, the greatest joy to God it's for those who feel that they can't be a part of his kingdom. Discover that they can and they come on in and then they get to share in the joy of their master. Well, he rejoices when you come home. Maybe you're a lost coin person in some shape, form or fashion. But you know, he rejoices even though you may feel like you're not good enough for him, like he's got, you've got too many things against you. That's not what it's all about. You see, Jesus, it says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him. And that joy was the joy of people that didn't think they could make it, finding a way to come into his kingdom and to be with him. Well, in his book, Come Share the Being, Bob Benson tells about a time when he had to carry his teenage son 700 miles from home and leave him at a college dorm uh, to start school. And even though uh, they were proud of their son and excited about his beginning uh, a college career, their hearts ached with loneliness and pain because their son, who had been with them since birth, was 700 miles away. And uh, Sharon and I can, can identify with this because I can remember us sitting across the table from each other and looking at an empty chair and just puddling up. Benson recalled, Somebody said, you still have three at home, three fine kids, and there's still plenty of noise, plenty of ball games to go to, plenty of responsibilities, plenty of laughter, plenty of everything, except Mike. 
And in parental math, five minus one just does not equal plenty. And I was thinking about God. He sure has plenty of children, plenty of artists, plenty of singers and carpenters and candlestick makers and preachers, plenty of everybody, plenty except you. And all of them together can never take your place. And there will always be an empty spot in his heart and a vacant chair at his table when you're not home. And if once in a while it seems he's crowding you a bit, uh, try to forgive him. It may be one of those nights when he misses you so much that he can hardly stand it. If you're one of those lost coin people and you haven't come home, would you come home today? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today that those of us who thought that somehow we had gotten too far from you and don't even know how we got there. We thank you that you tell us, you show us that you have made the way and you come to us even when we can't feel like we can ever get to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus name. Amen.